0: Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 101. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So before we dive in and have our guest of the week on just want to say a huge massive thank you for all of the kind words and emails I've got after hearing the 100th episode um yes as as many of you said we had a lot of fun recording that it was it was um, good banter as I like to say and um yeah just really really grateful for all of those kind messages I've got for you and 200 more and let's see what we will do on the 200th episode which will be very cool So this week's guest is David Quick. Now, David describes himself as a recovering bull in the China shop, who now uses his passion to help business leaders and their teams thrive. A three-time CEO of rapid growth organizations, David now helps leaders thrive by sharpening their focus on vision, values, expectations, and engagement. David puts his executive coaching, live events, keynotes, presentations, and group sessions all working to help create powerful herds of high-performing bulls. His no-BS communication style speaks to high-performing leaders at all levels. So, David, welcome to the show.
1: Jeff, thanks so much for having me. A pleasure to be here today. I am so, so looking forward to
0: this, not only because I just love the, uh, the stuff that you've talked about in your one sheet. So I'm dying to dive into this. Before we really get into this, can we just give us a little bit of a backstory of what brought you to this point today?
1: Well, of, of course, with most entrepreneurs, a long uh, journey with highs and lows. Uh, and I would say it all started working uh, at the age of 12. Uh, at my grandparents, they had what was, before there were outlets, uh, outlet stores, an outlet store that was open on Fridays and Saturdays. And uh, I started working there, taking the trash out, doing inventory, painting, uh, kind of odd jobs at the age of 12. And uh, just a couple years ago, bought that what was left of that business for part of the year and a bunch of stuff in between there. But that kind of started my early hey, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? My dad owned an Ace Hardware store. Uh, I was in the U.S. Navy for a long period of time, a Naval Academy graduate, so that chapter, corporate America. And then uh, sometime in the mid-90s, Roche Diagnostics is where I landed. So I had a a career climbing the corporate ladder post-Navy, and Roche was doing something called venturing. They were taking some of their best people and using a global consultant, Stratagos, were putting people through this thing venturing. And they were saying, hey, step out of your normal business for a week or two, come up with an idea, and then pitch the idea. And if we like it, we'll fund it for 30, 60, 90 days and go start up a business. So I did that twice. Uh, They had a London School of Business program that they put you through and then met with international groups to launch businesses. Did that twice and got kind of a, a new bug for entrepreneurship, launched a company for Roche, went to a company in Florida that grew from 50 million to 550 million, couple other CEO gigs, and then said, Hey, I'm tired of this corporate America thing. Let me go consult and coach. I'm now a vistage chair. So I run CEO business owner peer groups, I do executive coaching, sales coaching, help organizations hire more effectively. And my wife and I, who are business partners, just launched a new mastermind for couples in business together called Work Love Bliss. Uh, so so neat, stuff, neat stuff going on, but for, <laughs> at, at our heart we coach. Yeah, cool.
0: Excellent. I used to I used to work for my grandfather's business. Um and I remember the a similar sort of thing to you is sort of 12, 13. I was lucky because it was a confectionery company. So a nah. lot of it, a lot a lot of it was tasting sweets. But I <laughs> yeah. do remember I do remember the lumping and the brushing and the you know, not being told to go later on. I'm thinking, hang on, I'm only 12 here. I'm sure there's something that I was supposed to be doing then sweeping up. But yeah. yeah, so yeah. And how um, so how long have you partnered with your wife in business since you started being a coach? Or is that a, a new thing?
1: So almost 10 years now. We launched okay. an internet business together. Okay. We launched this hiring uh, business where we use a, a tool called Culture Index as licensees uh-huh. and then uh, launched this. So so in total 10 years, uh, a, a, of course, there's uh, plenty of joy in that and plenty of <laughs> challenge in that.
0: <laughs> so one question I, I, I'd love to know is what is it about entrepreneurship that you love?
1: Uh, probably more than anything um, – this promise of freedom and flexibility (laughs) what what you find is we we do take advantage of it from time to time probably not as much as we should but there's this notion of uh Mm. complete freedom flexibility and probably more than anything uh the ability to move away from having bosses yes god that's just that's the best bit (laughs) that's the
0: best bit of course i'm married and she's my wife isn't part of the business but i still feel like i have a boss so, well, so you know I, so I do I, I do <laughs> So with you working you know you're working with professionals um you know you're doing all this stuff what and, and and do you with that of it what is it that you love about the coaching side to help sort of high performers and and CEOs get to where they want to to achieve and the results
1: Well I think uh, Jeff at my heart a coach I started coaching probably 14 15 my mom uh, drove us to do music, and my dad was uh, driving us to do sports. So I did some of both. And I ended up coaching um, younger kids in both basketball and uh, saxophone of all things, and, and actually got paid to to coach some saxophone players at an early age. And so I've always loved that concept of coaching, helping others, um, asking in, in the new world these tough questions that move them forward. You know, the name of our company, Helping Bulls Thrive in China Shops, we really look at people that have power and passion that are running companies and say, how do we help you thrive? And I probably get no greater joy than seeing that happen. So either an individual, a group, an organization, uh, we spend a lot of time talking about how do we harness the power of your herd. And when you see that happen and you see high performing teams and you see leaders thriving, um, there's great joy, one, that you help the individual, but also the knowledge that if I help this one individual, if it's just the CEO or business owner, then it affects their company, it affects their community, um, and that this concept of thriving for them has broad-reaching impact, and uh, it's it's just fantastic. I've had, uh, you know over the last six or seven years, a handful of companies just uh, skyrocket, having record performance. Um, unbelievably high-performing teams. And it's just awesome to sit back after 18 months, two years of working with an organization and you know have the conversation I'm with, which is how, how do you feel about where you are today versus where you were two years ago? And having to find this thing we call thriving with them and say, are you? And they say, yeah, m- more than I ever dreamed I would be. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know what you feel as a coach myself. I know exactly that glint
0: in the eye. Where they just get it and they're starting to move forward. There's there's nothing there's nothing better on this world to see to see that empowerment through going through and the and the change. So if you if we're, when if you're looking at the teams, so when you're talking about finding the right individuals for the right companies, you're looking at sort of the environment. You're looking at the culture. What for you is the first step to help the companies create the results that they're looking for? Cause you know, when you're going into, when you go into companies and I'm sure you like me have worked in poisonous environments and seen culture that doesn't work and seeing culture that does work, but it's how do you, where, where does that start?
1: So, so for me, we have, we, we talk about this, uh, map toward thriving or path toward thriving. And we talk about four simple elements of that and it starts everything for us vision. So you know, It's a tired, everyone talks about it, but, but we talk about this vision of the future in such a way that it's so compelling that like a magnet, it starts to draw people toward you, but also like a magnet, it repels people. So we challenge organizations early to, to spend some time there, get that right, and say, hey, does this vision of the future, three, five, seven, ten 10 years, wherever you want to look does it create momentum and a magnetism that inspires people to want to be part of it? And we, we, we start there. So, so we spend some time saying, well, what are the things you do? How do you help in the world? What, what are the the things you're trying to accomplish here? You know, Simon Sinek's why? So we go through a, a, a series of exercises to define that mission and then publish the mission Uh, I'm also a big fan of uh, the work Cameron Harold does around vivid vision, painted picture is what he used to call it. And, you know, with with unbelievable, um, vivid explanation, describe what the future holds. And we urge the organization to share it widely, internally, externally and say, here's where we're going. Here's what we want to be. Here's why we get up in the morning and that it's so vivid that people are compelled to come be part of it. And people that see it, read it, experience it, and say, man, that's not me, are repelled and, and decide, hey, I'm not right for this. So that's the first step for us. We spend a lot of time defining that, talking about it. And for us, that also we think comes from the leader. It has to be his vision. That That's the first essence of leadership for me is, do you have a vision of the future? And are you driving people and inspiring them with power and passion to be part of that? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Because
0: that's one, that's one of the interesting things is is because you're right. I mean, you, you're a coach, and where would you be without coaching if you weren't going to talk about vision? I suppose that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the so, other so, things. So we
1: start there, and then the yeah. next is a, a robust dive into core values. For us, core values, uh, probably a, a, an approach similar to Lencioni. They should be alive in your organization already. It should be the words that describe the behavior of the people that you want to clone. And that for us, we spend a lot of time saying, what's your language around those? And that company A's core values shouldn't be used or be able to be used by company B. That they're unique to you. They're set in your language. So we help people come up with things like willing to sweep floors. We all kill our own spiders. Uh, We hang tassels regularly regularly. So we, we they're unique and, and at first glance may not be obvious to outside the organization, but inside the organization, they take on a life of their own. We then urge organizations to hire to those, measure to those and fire to those. And so yeah. I joke like Sesame Street. I say, if one of these is not like the other, they shouldn't be here. And mm-hmm. we all have this consistent way of acting and behaving. We embrace the vision. We want to be here. And then the third for us is set really high expectations. And we talk about that and we say, what do those look like? And that we make sure everyone understands the vision, how we want them to act and behave, and then what the expectation is. And uh, last thing for us is engagement. And we talk about what does internal, external engagement look like. And for the leadership team, it's how do you engage with your team on those first three? How do you reinforce vision all the time? How do you demonstrate and live your core values? And how do you reinforce and hold people accountable to really high expectations? So, you know, it, it, it will seem like, yeah, this is what everyone says. We, we, we try to make it alive and well and evident all the time inside the organizations we work with.
0: Yeah, because that's, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because you've got, you've got some companies that just think a vision is something that everyone should have on the plaque. Yeah, and, words on the wall. Yeah, and you know everyone knows where it is, but no one knows what the hell it means because it's cost them a fortune to use big words that you know get them a lot of points in Scrabble, but not actually really get them anywhere else. And then, as you as as you know as you're as you're doing is it's getting not only the it's getting the I suppose from top to bottom, bottom to top to understand what those values are, but they congruently implement them and live by them and work by them so they so it doesn't um it doesn't just look like a couple of words and people don't follow that that's yeah, so thing,
1: absolutely jeff we we talk about it as th- those four things are the key to harnessing the power of your herd we look at everyone as a bull uh that's truly gender neutral for me that's instead of masculine powerful it's powerful and passionate and no matter the role you know, I use floor manufacturing all the time and say, there's somebody in your organization that does the equivalent of putting this nut on a bolt 400 times a day, whatever the task is, there's somebody in your organization that's doing that. And most of us, and probably most of your listeners go, I want nothing to do with that task, but you need someone in your organization that comes to work on that. I'm excited to do it. And, 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 Instead of just saying, well, I'm going to come and haphazardly do it 400 times, you can find the person that says, for the next 20 years, I'm going to come and challenge myself every day to do it perfect and do it 425 times. And it gives them great meaning. It gives them security. Um, and, you know, that that's not senior leadership in your organization, but there's a way to find someone that's powerful and passionate in that role all the way to your CEO and that's the difference. If we're all pulling hard, if we're all rowing hard, whatever metaphor or analogy you have, because we understand our role in the vision, we know how we want them to act and behave, and we can set really high expectations and achieve them, then great things happen. Yeah, and, I,
0: and, I, and so am I, to understand is when you're doing this, is one, it's creating a filter of who you want and who you don't want, who's a fit and who's not a fit for the company, and then the other thing is, is it's it's setting you know high expectation, high standards that are 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 literally set in stone, are the essence and blood of the company, and they live, breathe, and and die that 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 stra- that way of thinking.
1: Yeah. So I'll use a U.S. football example. I, I, I frame the organizations all the time. Are you the New England Patriots or the Cleveland Browns? And, you know, there's a, there's a high expectation for one of those organizations at the beginning of the year, so high that if they go to the Super Bowl and lose, my guess is if you go to that organization after a Super Bowl loss, the championship game, that season's a failure. the The Cleveland Browns are starting the season saying, well, we hope we win a game. Now, this year they tied their first game, they've had a couple wins, but for two years in a row, the expectation was, man, we hope we win a game. They're not even trying to make the playoffs. So... It really is. Where's your corporate spirit around doing something remarkable? And, you know, as well as I, when you walk into organizations, you feel that you feel organizations that are going through the motions and you feel organizations that are great. And no surprise, that comes from leadership. And we say it comes from those four things. And it comes from, hey, do we know where we're going? Does everyone understand where we're going? And do they want to come with us? And if they do, you use that filter and Jeff, you're dead on. And then we do a bunch of personality assessment. We help people find the right people for individual roles. There's the right person for that bolt turner. There's a right piece person for your bookkeeper. And there's a right person for high performing sales and sales management. And, and we spend a lot of time saying interview five people that have ideal traits to match the job versus interviewing five people that don't. Yeah yeah
0: okay so yeah that makes complete sense So taking that slightly to the side um you you are a coach and you are working with these people and why do you think especially now nowadays because it it probably is more well adopted now than before why do you think that CEOs, high performers, entrepreneurs solopreneurs, all of that sort of thing are now embracing, that in the importance of that self-development hiring coaches like yourself to take their, you know, their mindset, their business and everything else to the next level. What do you personally think are the benefits of, of getting a coach like yourself or like me or like other coaches to take um, their business or their, or their personalized or whatever to the next level?
1: Well, so I, I'm a big advocate of coaching and masterminds. I have a coach Um, I am a coach, uh, I'm, I'm in masterminds, lead masterminds. And, uh, you know, those concepts aren't new. And as you've alluded to, they're certainly starting to springboard for, for me, there's this, you know, you look at the world's best athletes, you look at the world's best thinkers, they all have mentors or coaches. And for, for me, I think the essence is someone to do two things, um, to question your thought in a meaningful way so hey what's your basis or um reason for the decision your actions your priorities and are those well enough thought out and then um someone to hold you accountable toward a path or journey that you set out and you know some people are capable of doing that themselves remarkably well others need um someone to step alongside them and often there's also this challenge when we're in the mix i call it we're 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 in the deep end of the pool with our swim trunks on treading water we're exhausted at the end of the day we we can't see where we're trying to go and a coach can say hey the ladder's over here just swim over here let's look at the pool and decide where we need to swim to takes a lot less effort you're more effective uh and and you know you're not going through this motion of well i'm just treading water and not getting anywhere so it really can help you kind of, well, let's just take this short little swim and be a ton more effective. So they're not as close to it. They're they're not as, uh, immersed and have blinders on so they can have you pause and ask meaningful questions and then hold you accountable. And and that's my philosophy of coaching. We, we we together define what thriving is. I do that with three simple questions. Who do you want to be? Where do, what do you want to have? What do you want to do? And we define those we start a journey and I go great this is the path we're on how do I hold you accountable to that path what does it sound like or what do you want me to sound like when you're not doing that
0: yeah and also I suppose is it's also that ability is a coach is prepared to ask those questions that people in your people in their perhaps influence as a as senior managers or who are under them don't or didn't don't or won't ask them because yeah, of I mean, their position
1: Yeah, correct. There's a threatening piece. And and that's the beauty of a mastermind or peer advisor group as well, is that there's no agenda and people aren't afraid to ask that. And over time, you you start to care about the people uh, and you want what's best for them. And so you're willing to step up and ask things that no one else in the world would ask them. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite bit.
0: So just before we jump over to the second part of the show, I wanted to tell you about this fantastic Workshop that is uh, someone who you might have already heard on the podcast. In fact, he's the only guy that's been on the show twice and interviewed. It is the presentation genius himself, Dr. Simon Raybold. Now, Simon is running, and he only does this once a year, he is running a live training course in Newcastle upon Tyne in March 2019. And you use the discount code GENIUS IQ then you will get 50 pound off the ticket price. All you need to do is go to presentationgenius.eventbrite.co.uk and you know, take action. Now I have done Simon's training. He is my go-to guy for any presentation training, any skills that I need to develop in how to do that. And if you are looking to be able to make awesome presentations, pitches, oral reports, addresses to the board, or just hit that job interview out the park, I'd highly recommend this workshop. Remember, genius, IQ at presentationgenius.eventbrite.co.uk and get 50 pound off, so act now. All right, brilliant. Excellent. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go to the second part of the show, and I'm going to put you on the hot seat, and I'm going to ask you a set of questions, ask the guests who appear on the show. So are you ready? Yes, let's go. Okay, so on average, how much time a week do you dedicate to self-development?
1: I probably read three, five, probably 10 hours a week. Uh, I have a two-hour coaching session. I'm in coaching sessions, uh, so a bunch—probably twenty, 30, 20, yeah, twenty,
0: thirty yeah. hours a week. Yeah, and it's and and that's the thing is as well is it doesn't have to just be just reading. You know, you're working with a coach or you're doing mastermind. I mean, it is staggering how much development you can get when you're with a group of like-minded people.
1: Yeah, who, well, even, like a mastermind's it's nuts. Absolutely, Jeff, and even when we are coaching. Yes, there's some self-reflection that occurs, uh, either uh, during, before, or after. That says, "Huh, well, I'm struggling with the same thing."
0: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
1: Okay, question number two: What
0: book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth, and why?
1: Um, yeah, it's tough one. Probably uh, the book "Flow." There's uh, there th- that's always what I've targeted in my work. And I've probably gotten closer to that in some one hour, one and a half hour coaching sessions where the rest of the world melts away, fully present, um, listening in a way that you rarely listen. Um, And so that's kind of driven my thinking, which is, hey, can you find that um, regularly? And it's a difficult place, but it's, uh, it's great when you're there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's memorable isn't it it's like yeah wow okay how did i get you and stay here okay question number yeah. three what app makes the biggest impact to your business or life
1: so life right now probably is uh headspace okay cool yeah yeah the uh, the meditation app i've uh loved i tried for many years on my own read about it didn't get it and uh been doing headspace for about a year now and love it uh it's been awesome for me quiet so- in my mind Okay, so
0: what, because there's an interesting one, is you've obviously done Corporate World, you've done Navy, you know, you've done all that. When did you look at embracing that um, mindfulness practice? Let's say it doesn't matter whether it's meditation or whatever. When did you start embracing that mindfulness practice?
1: So mindfulness, I've uh, probably the last 15 years have really focused and, you know, read a bunch of books, looked at it, uh, and, and tried on my own, you know, to, to meditate and my perception of it didn't really hit until, uh, headspace for whatever reason. And, uh, it, it was, uh, it, it was awesome, uh, just it triggered a lot of things for me. And it's been, um, really the last year and, um, really helps me focus, quiet my mind. It's been tremendous and, uh, happened through a person I was coaching who is, uh, when he said, Hey, try this app. I've had great success. He's one of those guys that was, you we were like, well, this is the last person I would ever expect to be talking about meditation. And he said it was awesome. So I'm like, well, I'll try it. And it's been a game changer for me this year. Yeah. Brilliant. Excellent.
0: It's, it has got that very unique way. I think there's that one in calm that had just, it, it's just such a, a great designed way to bring you into that. Okay. Let's start practicing.
1: Yeah. It literally day one is, Hey, a couple minutes, let's try. And by the time you're done, you're doing 20 minutes and it's nothing. And, um, the concept of, Hey, I have to, my initial thought was I have to clear my mind of no thought. And he gives a great, great examples in his fantastic British accent, uh, which is uh, just see cars passing by, look at clouds in a bright blue sky, notice them, think about them, note them, and then move on. And, uh, it, it it's it, it for whatever reason he helped me gel and understand it and go ah this yeah. is what it is
0: exactly yeah and he's <laughs> got the voice he's got he's yes. got a really nice passive voice okay so question number four is what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you
1: so I've had plenty uh, tough to say biggest uh, I've been fired a couple times from CEO gigs I've been uh, uh, started businesses that failed. Probably the biggest uh, that comes to mind is, uh, well, that's tough. Um, I'll, I'll go to, uh, I was CEO of a company with a founder and just didn't recognize soon enough that the founder was never going to relinquish control. So I, I beat my head against that drum for probably a year, two years longer than I should have. And uh, it was owned by private equity, brought me in to turn the company around, which I did but the founder saw it as I was going to come be a CEO coach, and uh, uh, in the end, it didn't end as well as it probably should have if I would have been uh, more insightful. Okay,
0: so, so what, what what was the teaching from that? You, you shouldn't have gotten. You shouldn't have worked with a. A founder or was it yeah, sometimes- no
1: I, I think um, that that was probably not I mean you could always say hey that's the learning and instead I would say I probably could have handled the whole situation differently uh, so what, what I would go back to is uh, be more clear with communication talk about the vision of the future the stuff that I uh, spend a lot of time on um, hyper communicate really focus on hey what are the expectations hold each other accountable to that um, and I was still young, not as effective as I could have been and, uh, could have handled the situation. I instead took the, the, uh, I talk about three types of bulls in the ring. I took the, uh, the bull, the, 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 bull that's bloody hurt, angry, uh, defensive, angry, hostile. Uh, I took that approach and probably not the best. <laughs> okay. Question
0: number five is what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them?
1: So, um, my wife and my youngest of four sons help with that immensely. We, uh, we've really, over the last couple of years, again, this whole mindfulness, intentionality, what are we trying to accomplish? So better than I've been in my entire life in terms of scheduling vacations, taking vacations. My wife and I just came back from a private Island in Belize for a couple of days. We went to South Africa this summer. Um, my wife regularly says, Hey, let's shut down business at eight, um, and my 10-year-old son reminds me all the time, hey, stop talking business at the dinner table. Uh, I'll tell him to stop using the phone, and they'll say, great, you stop talking about business. So um, they, uh, th- they probably keep me more grounded than anything, but we've also, over the last three to five years, really been more intentional about what we want and type of work we want, and all of that's been awesome. Brilliant. Okay. The next question is, uh, number six, what
0: advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you would know starting out?
1: Um, I tell people all the time that, um, I wish I would have focused more on helping people, uh, instead of trying to sell or do, or so in my own work, I've seen that, that, that if I give freely till I should, till I shouldn't good things happen. Um, And that's been my mantra the last couple of years is, hey, give freely of myself until I shouldn't. Um, And most of us know when you shouldn't. Um, So I've taken that approach. It's had dramatic impact on my business, on my personal life, uh, and wish I would have uh, used that more early in my career.
0: Okay, brilliant. Excellent. Number seven um, is what is your definition of
1: success? Uh, for, for me, it's truly this helping other people thrive. So when that happens, I go, that's success. And and that can be at business. That can be my four sons. That can be my wife. Um, it's awesome when it happens. Yeah, it covers everything, relationships, health,
0: everything. Yep. Just that very simple phrase. Okay, number eight, do you have any daily routines
1: or rituals that you have made a, or make a huge impact to your day? So meditation first thing in the morning, and yeah. shutting work down at eight that have been the two okay. this year that have been remarkable. Brilliant. Excellent.
0: And how do you so how do, what do you, do you start winding down at sort of seven o'clock because you know that's that's your deadline or how does how does that shut down process look for when you go at eight or is, have you got all your tasks ready to go that's it it's done, I'm out? How does that Yeah. So work? so
1: if, if I'm, um, brutally honest, it's the, the conversations with my wife and I as business partner, um, cease at eight. Um, there, there are, there are still times in which I do work post eight or probably where I'm more guilty. There's usually not work post eight, but there's work starting at 5. AM, <laughs> which is how I handle most of my challenges. i I would much rather wake up early and prep uh, and have four quiet hours in the morning than uh, so there's four or five o'clock mornings versus the stay up late and work for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, the last question is the life lesson question. So you just need to pick a number between one and 50. These are things that I've learned over the years. Um, It's our final conversational topic. So a number between one and 50, please, David.
1: Well, I'll choose my 10-year-old's football number, 28.
0: 28 is um, choose your support structure wisely, which uh, is ironic considering you're a masterminder. Um, yeah. So it, this really stems from the fact is, is before I got into masterminding um, and coming out of an illness and starting a business – the I didn't I wasn't very good at picking the support structure I would pick the people that spoke the good game Uh rather than were authentic um real um and as we 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 um know and love to hold other people accountable held me accountable um and our masterminding was definitely one of those things to do that so for me making sure that my both in my personal life and also my business, I've got a really strong support structure, and that consists of coach, great friends, mastermind groups, all of those sort of things. And it's really, you know, I'm, I'm, I kind of like know the answer almost anyway. So it's just really what do you think about that, and how do you feel that someone can get started in developing their support structure?
1: Well, it, it, it's, uh, of course, I'm a advocate and believe that that's uh, a, a huge part of our ongoing success. I've just witnessed it over the last you know, five, six years more clearly than I ever have in my life. Um, and, and same, it's had great impact on my life. So, you know, the way to start is um, look at a handful of coaches, look at a handful of masterminds and, and literally um, for me. And I don't know how you look at this. When I start someone in one of my mastermind groups, I I ask the question, do I want to spend the next five years with this person? Because that's what's happened. So if the answer is no, I I don't want to, then I don't invite them to the mastermind. If instead I go, yeah, I, I find this person delightful and can't wait to learn more about them then they're with me for five plus years, which is what's happened with the mastermind group. That's what's happened with my coaching. Um, So there's a a genuine interest and attraction to the other person saying, "I I want to spend time with this person. So that's the general guidance I always give people when looking for a coach or for a mastermind is, hey, do I feel like I will belong here? And do I want to spend the next five years with these people? Yeah. And just
0: through that, David, you know, when you do masterminding, do you prefer hosted or do you prefer um, creating one um, your
1: specific way? So I prefer hosted in some framework. I think a paid facilitator uh, ups the game. Um, in when I'm in that role, someone gave me the sage advice. Um, every member should have two hands on the wheel And you should have one finger and you're gently steering the car. They're driving it and uh, it's served me well. So that's really hard when there's not a facilitator for somebody to gently move the group. uh, And it it almost is uh, unseen by the members when done well. Yeah. Yeah, so you're
0: so with a with with and and that gives them, I guess, it get for me as well as that gives people an idea of okay, this is what a mastermind's about because they're not trying to guess what it is, how to do it, everything else. It's the structures in place. They basically get started and then they 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 kind of like find their their way a lot quicker, don't they?
1: Correct. And I think that, um, You know, once you get the group up and running, then the the members help acclimate new members and you see it as soon as somebody comes and visits. Somebody walks over and says, here's how we check in at the meeting. Here's how we do this. And, uh, you know, it's uh, I liken it to to, I had a a son that went to Montessori uh, and it's that same environment. You know, some some older child helps a younger child go. Here's how you do this and you you instantly then are welcome you instantly have peers who are interested in helping you and you don't have to figure out as you alluded to how to do it all someone is guiding the process and you're able to come participate fully um and then if the facilitator uh, in in vistage uh, is the 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 one mastermind that i run here in town you, you also serve as a coach so You know, there's a dual role of facilitating the meetings and then an executive coach uh, for an hour and a half a month as well.
0: No, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So we are at the end of the show. So this gives you the opportunity to take the floor to share with the listeners how they can find out more about you um, or anything else that you would like to share. And everything will
1: go on the show notes as well. Awesome. So uh, at helpingbulls.com forward slash success IQ, We have a a landing page to our webpage that has a bunch of free offers. You can go through and do uh, your own personality assessment, Culture Index. You can assess your entire team. You can sign up for an hour to to review your vision, values, expectation, engagement of your organization. You can take on a free hour executive coaching. Uh, You can also go to our Work, Love, Bliss website if you're a couple that's in business together saying how do we move both our work and relationship toward bliss that i'm i'm reckoning after the show you and i are going to talk about that
0: because i reckon we're going to get you two back on to talk about that because i think that'll be an interesting one
1: um, I, I, I would i would I, we would love to so my, yeah. my wife melissa would enjoy it as well yeah absolutely well listen david it's been absolutely a pleasure
0: having you on the show and i just want to take this final opportunity to wish you the greatest success
1: Jeff, thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to spend some time with you.
0: So firstly, just let me say a massive thank you to all of you who've taken the time to listen to the show. And for those of you who are sending me emails to give me feedback about the show, what you like, what you'd like to see, I am extremely grateful to you all. would be really grateful as well if you have time and the inclination to jump over to itunes and leave a rating and review for the show as it really does help me stay on my mission which is to help people create and live an exceptional life finally you can get hold of these podcast show on many different platforms itunes stitcher soundcloud spotify all of those ones that you probably listen to regularly Um, all you need to do is hit subscribe and get them straight to your phone which makes life so much easier so just finally wishing you an amazing week take care and don't forget to keep pursuing the exceptional